Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Under the Mic, presented by UnderTheLights.com. I am Patrick McGann, alongside Jimmy Lynch. We're talking about some hockey tonight, some big things happening in the hockey world today, especially in the Blackhawks part of the community. So uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, an exciting time. The draft lottery was today. And speaking of the Blackhawks community, like I just mentioned, the Chicago Blackhawks will be picking third overall in the upcoming NHL draft. Oh my goodness, I mean, their chances of getting this high of a pick were so slim, but here we are talking about the Blackhawks picking number three. Yeah, you're right, Pat. Uh, chances were the Hawks were not going to be getting a high draft pick. Uh, a lot of fans actually complained about that. Late on in the season, the Hawks really went for a playoff spot, and a lot of fans were really aggravated with the Blackhawks for you know not tanking towards yep. the end of the year because they thought there's no way the Hawks get a top pick and with a 2.2% chance the Blackhawks managed to take the third overall pick behind the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers um, that is key for the Blackhawks key for the Blackhawks in the next couple of years yeah I mean that, that's huge like you just said Jim I mean the Hawks went for the playoffs and doing that you know that your chances at a draft pick or a good draft pick I should say are very very low uh, they got really lucky. They were able to roll the dice, um, you know, compete for that playoff spot all the way up until the last week of the season. Didn't get it, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, I, that, that was my fear. Down the stretch, starting in about late February, I was – this team was starting to get hot. And, like, you know what? I'm, I'm liking that this team's getting hot. But, you know, I still don't see this team making the playoffs. And I feel like this is all going to go for naught. And, uh, you know, we're going to get a bad drive pick. But, you know, we, we tried to – the Blackhawks, we, I should say, the Blackhawks, uh, they still try for the playoffs regardless, and they got very lucky with that third overall pick. And so, if, now, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'd rather have the third overall pick than a first round bounce yeah. in the playoffs this oh, year. I, I agree 110%. That this is a huge opportunity for the Blackhawks, and this is where all the comments, the questions, and, and the hysteria is going to come about. What do the Blackhawks do with this pick? Last time they picked third overall, that's your captain of the team, Jonathan Taves. Uh, they can trade this thing away and get some and get some top defensive talent. Uh, was what they really need. But really, this is what we're going to talk about. What do they do with this pick? I mean, there are the the options are endless. It is, and it's still early. But um, you know, I did some research. I looked at some names. A couple guys that stand out to me: Kirby Dak. He's a center in the W WHL. Uh, through 62 games this year, he's had 25 goals and 48 assists. Um, you know, he's a high-end offensive talent, and he has a NHL-ready kind of body. He had a 6'4 and 198 pounds. Um, you look at what the Blackhawks could really do here. They could do a lot of different things. Um, we've already talked with Leo Sautiker, a member on the staff, and he's saying the first thing the first thing that came out of his mouth was trade it. Yeah. Um, trade it and go out and get a defensive prospect, or not a defense prospect, a defenseman, NHL caliber player, so that they can compete the next two years. And <clears throat> as good as that sounds, the, a third overall pick does not come around that often when you're the Chicago exactly. Blackhawks. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, I would honestly have to keep this pick. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, take a high end centerman or winger. I would not pick a defenseman. You've already had three years of uh, three first round draft picks in the last two years were defensemen. So they got to pick a forward. 
Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Uh, when Leo said that, I remember in our Under the Lights chat that we that we were having, um, at first I, my thought is absolutely not. I remember last year we had that uh, seventh or eighth pick, I believe. There were people saying, oh, yeah, let's trade this away for some talent. No, the, the Hawks, pretty much what they've been doing through their dynasty is trading those picks away and getting rentals or top-tier players. And you know what? It worked. It worked in creating that dynasty and in props to Bowman for doing that. But, you know, towards the back end of this dynasty, as we're seeing right now, now it's starting to fall apart. All those draft picks are gone. All the players that you got with those draft picks are pretty much gone. And so now it's time to kind of start rebuilding a little bit. And Leo made a good point, though. If you trade for this pick, you could be better now. You could get, you can start competing now. But I don't think that one player or maybe even two players that they would get with that pick would make them contenders now. And that's not what you want. You don't want this team to be contenders now because what, what happens if uh, the players that they do get aren't good enough, they make the playoffs, they get, I don't know, let's just say a third seed in the Central Division, get bounced in the second or third round, and things don't work out in the long run. Yeah, then you're kind of screwed because then you're not uh, you're not prepared for the future. That's why I think they should take this pick and they should go look at their scouting department, go talk to those guys and say, all right, who are we looking at here now, uh, and who are we going to take and, and, and develop into a top uh, prospect? Now, I, I do have to play a little bit of a devil's advocate against you here. If the Blackhawks were to trade that th- third overall pick for two players or one player, I believe that would drastically change the team right now. Um, I know you're saying that it, what if it doesn't do the difference maker, but the Blackhawks would not trade that th- third overall pick unless it was a difference maker coming in right away. Exactly. exactly. Um, and you can't really, although the Hawks missed the playoffs, through the second half of the year, no one played better than them. Exactly. That That's a great point to bring up. They were one of the hottest teams in the second half of the season, without a doubt. They had a couple of uh, decent winning streaks, um, and th- their players performed. I mean, Kane and Dabrink had 40-plus goals, and Taves, 30-plus goals. And uh, Gustafson had himself a pretty good year. I'm pretty sure 17 goals. Yeah. Strom had a pretty good year. All these guys, they just let's just take a look at Debrinket, Kane, and Taves. 40, let's just let's just round round here. 40, Debrink- 40, and 30. When a team scores 110, when three players are responsible for 110 goals, your team usually makes the playoffs. That's how bad their defense was this year. And I'm looking at teams that did make the playoffs. They don't have, you know, 40 goals, not as many 40 goal scores. The Hawks had two 40 goal scores and missed the playoffs. It's pretty rare. So this team is producing right now, and I do agree. I will have to go on your devil's advocate side. If you trade this pick, they can make a difference right now with the player they would get. Maybe that would be enough to lift them up. But you also have to count on Kane, Taze, Debrink, at Strom, you know, even Gustafsson to start to, to produce exactly what they did last year. And that, that's it, uh, They it, wouldn't it, be trading for an offensive for. talent. They'd be trading for someone to play the defensive lockdown role. Exactly. No. However, I'd like to look at it from this point of view. You keep that draft pick and you bring in a centerman or a winger, a young guy, right? Yes. And then you add to the mix. Okay, the Blackhawks, Stan Bowman said it when he said that the Hawks are in a transitionary phase right now. They're not rebuilding. When you look not at the yet. core... When you look at the core group of guys, I'm I'm not looking at Taze Kane anymore. I'm looking at Dylan Strome, Alex Debrinket, Henry Yoki Haru, um, maybe even Bodine and Boquist down the road. Bodine and Boquist. Okay, those are three guys right there. 
and that then you add a really high-end third overall caliber player to that mix. Dylan Strom was a third overall pick. Jonathan Taze was a third overall pick. You add another guy that can play offense like that, I would way rather have that core three, four, five years from now than compete for a conference final next year. Yeah, I agree. I think that they could grow this team up pretty pretty well. I mean, I agree. Uh, I, I think that's an interesting take, looking at the core not being Kane, Taves, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the old group, the, uh, the old group of guys that won that dynasty that they bring with the, the, that, that core, I guess you could say that the previous mm-hmm. core, I guess you could even say, um, they bring experience to these young players. They bring that experience to the table, uh, for, for, you know, maturing these players when a playoff run does come, <coughs> excuse me, because <coughs> let's be, uh, let's be realistic here. How many more good years are you going to get out of Kane and Takes? You know what? I was. I'm really happy you brought that up. I want to. Uh, I don't know if you go know this guy. His name's Joe Thornton. Yeah. Joe Thornton is 39 years old. Yep. San Jose Sharks. San Jose Shark guy right there. He plays about 15 minutes a game, and his ice time has gone down over the years. This year alone, he put up 51 points. Now. You're looking at this wrong. You're saying Kane and Taze can't play, aren't going to be as good four or five years from now. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying, no, I'm saying they're going to take on a different role in this team. They're not going to be playing that many minutes a night. They're going to be switching to a 10 to 15 minute kind of game. And at least Taze's, Kane probably is going to keep up this level of play for another four or five years. I, yeah, which is which is what's gonna. He already is a Hall of Famer, but that's gonna solidify it even more. But I, I agree. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it too, because as they start to age, the other guys are starting to become top tier contender level contender level players. And I, I, that's a cool way of looking at it. You know, their role is gonna diminish, and that that's true. With any player, their role is going. With any aging player, their role is going to slowly diminish. But it's gotta. If this make, it's, it's got to happen in kind of a methodic way. Because and there has to be happens, someone to pull up on what he used to do, you know? Exactly. You know, if, if it happens, if their decline happens too quickly, this team could be in a bad place. But if it, you know, if it goes the right way, they keep playing, playing, and their numbers start going down a little bit, but other players' numbers start going up a little bit, this could tie into a really, really good Blackhawks team in three or four years, maybe even sooner. I, I would say it's going to be sooner. A third overall pick. That honestly should be a player that you're playing in the first year. Yeah, I yeah. I did not imagine the Hawks would be playing a draft pick after at the start of the next season. I did a projection of what I believe the um like their roster is going to be on opening night, and I definitely think that once the Blackhawks in free agency, Stan Bowman already said we're going to be we're going to be buying something. Exactly. In free agency. I was about to bring that up. I think that the Blackhawks are going to bring in a defenseman from there. Maybe not a top two defensive guy, but a top four at least. A, a, def, a defensive defenseman. I repeat, a defensive defenseman. Because you already have Gustafsson, who is really an offensive defenseman, who has been producing. And you can't have you can't have two Gustafsons on one team. Exactly. And I would even argue, next season alone, the Blackhawks might try and trade Gustafsson. That's they, they could, um, and I that he, they could definitely get. A little something for him. I think they definitely could. Because um, you have to look at the three guys they're going to bring in. Yoki, Haru, 
Budine and Boquist, those three guys are all offensive defensemen. But we, I don't think we've mentioned this on an Under the Mic show yet, Jim, but talk about your plan. You were talking to me about it, and it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, this was obviously not on the air or anything, but mm-hmm. tra- ma- making him into a forward, transitioning his game as a defender into a forward. I, I have thought about that a lot. You put Eric Gustafson, a, the best thing about his play is the, what he does on the power play. We agree with that. Yes. He The way he can control it and just he can quarterback that. Now, if you move him to a fourth-line wing, you're not playing him too much. I'm not saying he's going to be that skilled. He's not going to be playing Patrick Kane kind of plays. But a player that can look at the game from a defensive side but still have offensive prowess on where to pass the puck, what to do with it. They did ask him about it, and Gustafson said there's no way anyone could do it. But everyone else in that room said if anyone could play offense, it'd be Gustafson. Yeah, I, um, I think that's something they can work on in the summer, too. I think you got a long off season, which, um, you know, some of the, you know, our, our fans in Chicago obviously aren't quite used to that. Um, you got you got time to work on some stuff. I mean, look at this. We're, the Hawks season ended like last weekend. And we're already talking about opening night and then the off season. So they have time to get things done like that. You just got to develop that confidence. I think I think so. Well, you got to the Blackhawks assistant coach is Sheldon Brookbank. Brookbank was a defenseman in the Blackhawks system, and he played, I want to say he was on the team two or three years ago. Brookbank was a guy that Quinneville often put on the wing for some games. So if anyone could teach him how to do it, it'd be him. And, you know, the best thing about doing that move was he could still go slot and play that first spot on the power play. Like, he can still go play defense there. Exactly, yeah. And if a defenseman goes down on a game, you still have him to go push back, but... The Hawks are playing Gustafson in positions where he can't make mistakes on defense, and he's still managing to make mistakes on defense. Yeah. I, I, it's just a question of what would be easier, to teach him up on defense or to just go say, all right, we're going to put you on offense and just see yeah. how that works. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point to bring up, and I think it could, it could work both ways. I think right now, yes, you can trade him and get some value, but I think right now we you hold on to him for a little bit, see what you can do with him, see what you can make him into – because uh, he could be a really valuable player down the stretch. I mean, this year, um, I think he's one of the more underrated players that didn't get a lot of credit because, you know, I'm looking through the goals list, and he's like, I think he's fifth on the, the team in goals, which it's pretty good for a team that's, you know, scoring 40 guys who are scoring 40 goals and, and, and 30 goals. So I, think I definitely he, agree. He was definitely not given that much credit for exactly, what he did. Yeah. He, um, uh, you know, a lot of people on the Hawks will say, you know, you just pass the puck to Kane. But – I think it just really, it just really worked for him this year, and I, I I don't know if it's a fluke of a year or if he can do it again next year. But the first half of the season will definitely be a judgment call because Gustafson also has his contract up at the end of next year. And I'm just thinking about stuff right now, thinking about other guys in the lineup to to add depth maybe in the future uh, with these draft picks that could be coming in. But what do you think about Brendan Perlini? This this kid who's a high draft pick coming from Arizona with Strom. Uh, they, they played together in Arizona. So their chemistry is, is there for the most part. And towards the end of the season, he, he started playing pretty well. I mean, he he, he showed why he, he could be good in the slot. Uh, we saw a couple of good goals from him. And I think I think he could be a good player. I definitely agree that he could be a good player. But, uh, you know, towards the end there, he scored a hat trick in a game, right? Yeah. And then two games later, he was a healthy scratch. 
that doesn't ha- happen much. The problem with Perlini is it's kind of more like the Perlini is on the equivalent of a Dylan, uh, not Dylan Strom. Uh, what was Nick Smoltz? He he can play and he shows his flashes of his playing, but the thing that's even got him in the doghouse with Jeremy Colleton is the fact that he often skips out on the defensive assignments. He's not back pushing as much as he should be. He once the play doesn't go well offensively, he just kind of stops skating. You know? Yeah, he, um, he can't have that obviously, especially on a team that struggles defensively to begin with. No, yeah, he needs to be more disciplined. And you know he's 22 years old, and his his stats were okay with the Hawks. That, he that, definitely that's the thing though. He's 22. That he still has his whole career in front of him. If he can turn it around, he he could be in the league for a long time. I d- I definitely agree with that. There, I I think that they're the Hawks are going to definitely give him another shot next year. But you got to think at all the other guys. Like I really think the Hawks. Um, Liked who? Who do they keep playing on their top line? Um, I'm brain farting here. Yeah, it's uh... Dylan Sakura. Sakura, yeah. The Hawks really like Sakura, and he didn't manage to score a goal. But I definitely think he is, he has a better shot at making the roster again next year. Yeah, uh, I think so, and it, you, um. Playing him on the top line, it obviously gives him that opportunity to play with some of the best players in the league. And uh, if he can keep doing that, he, that, that can hopefully help him jumpstart his career and help him get going and, uh, and and produce. You know, I have a question for you. Stan Bowman came out and in his exit interview for the year, he said, we're not bringing back the same team next year. What guys do you think aren't going to be coming back? Um... That's a good question. Um, and I, I kind of like that he said that to begin with, um, that he that he's going to start changing things up a little bit. But I, I think um, – I think – I mean, we were just talking about Perlini. I think he's a guy that they, 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 might, they might get rid of. Um, if not get rid of, like maybe a trade. Yeah, you know? a trade, yeah. I think that that, that could possibly happen. Um, I think they keep Strom. Uh, just he's had he had a great year, and I think he's that's going to continue to come. Uh, playing with the Brink at uh, you know their days back in Erie, but uh, I I think if right now the one guy I'd look at is Perlini. I think um, that really yes he, he showed some signs of life towards the end of the year, but like you said, that inconsistency is what is really bringing him down. And on a team that's trying to get back up to uh, a playoff position, they're kind of in a, like you said, they're in a middle place right now. They're not really rebuilding. They're not really contending. Um, when you're trying to jumpstart your team again, I, I don't think, I think you you're, you want to see more consistency. And I think that maybe he could be dealt for for actually uh, some something somewhat good. I think they could get something good from for, uh, if they got rid of Perlini. Now, Perlini is a restricted free, free agent, so they could sell him. As an RFA, RFA, most RFAs are never touched by any other team. But it's an interesting situation to look at. Um, another guy, I really do think Marcus Kruger should get re-signed. Um, I don't think he's going to be demanding a $3 million kind of contract, which he had after winning the Cup in 2015. But 
you know, the Hawks penalty kill and defense has enough question marks. Kruger is argue, arguably one of the defense penalty the, one of the best penalty killers in the league. Exactly, yeah, and we, we saw that. He, he, and that's the one thing that's been consistent with him throughout his whole career. He's not going to score a goal for you, but he exactly. can definitely keep the other team from scoring. Yeah, and that's what you need on a team that gives up a lot of goals. Their goal differential, right. the Hawks' goal differential was awful this year. Another guy to look at, to me, I don't know about John Hayden coming back. The Hawks just... I really like John Hayden. I like his size. I kind of liked his grit when he used it. But the Hawks just aren't using John Hayden. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, they could get something for him, too, I think, just a little bit. Um, but he, exactly, he's kind of an awkward fit. I mean, he, the Hawks aren't using him the way they want to. Uh, and, and things aren't really working out in that regard. Um, and I think you could get a more productive player to fill in his spot. Pat, let me ask you a question. Do you think you could play pretty good hockey if you were on a line with Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane? I yes, I think that that that's a great question. I think that any player that you put with Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane will become better because of how they play. Because you just you see them on the ice and you just see the IQ. It's not just the skill; it's the IQ. You have to have the brains. And the way they move the puck around and the way they find each other on the ice, I think that you could fit right in and you could become a better player just by playing with two Hall of Fame players. So do you think it was Stan Bowman's doing that Drake Kajula, one of his late-season trade moves, ended up on a line with Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane? I think so, and I love Kajula. I, I hope he's back too as well. I mean, I love the way he plays. He's a pretty a gritty player that likes to get in there and be physical, but he's also a very skilled player as well. When I when I heard the, the Hawks pick this guy up, I, I was actually pretty happy. I'm like, wow, this is actually a pretty good move by Bowman. I like this guy. And, he, showed, and- he was a great player for us. He, he did a lot. I think that uh, his value to this team was very – I mean, he had a lot of value. And he signed through the end of next season with a $1.5 million cap hit, and the Hawks traded him for – they gave up Brendan Manning for him, a defenseman that the Hawks – Honestly, thought they were going to be stuck with for two years at a two point five million dollar cap. Yeah, I mean that 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 deal was a very. I think that's one of Bowen's best deals, and he, I think, Kajul, you know that one. He's, he's going to be with us next season. I think you know if he plays the way he did this season, I think you sign him again. I think you do. He he's been playing very well, and I think that his offensive talent and the grittiness that he brings, it's unparalleled. And that he's a great player. I think he's also a little underrated at that that signing. You know, he was hurt for a little bit, uh, but I think that he is he's a great player, and I would love to see him back. Uh, obviously, we'll see him back next year, but for longer, because I think he could bring a lot of uh, value to this team. I'm going to name some guys. Slater Cuckoo, Dylan Strom, Brandon Perlini, and Drake Kajula. All those guys were traded to the Hawks during the season last year, and they all ended up playing some pretty big minutes with Jeremy Colleton behind the bench. Um, the former Blackhawks head coach, Joel Quinville, him and Bowman never really saw eye to eye on players. You know, like Bowman would bring in someone and, and Quinville would sit him. And that was part of the issue. And that's why Quinville got the boot out of Chicago. But, um, news dropped a couple days ago that Joel Quinville was actually signed by the Florida Panthers. Pat, what are your initial thoughts on that signing? Huge, absolutely huge signing. And first of all, 
Uh, the Blackhawks and the Panthers, very good relationship, good GM relationship. Uh, both the franchises, it is, they, they are very friendly towards each other. We're always making deals. If you, if you, if you think back in the last couple of years, uh, you know, the Blackhawks with Dell Talent down there in Florida, they made a lot of deals uh, between the two teams. So I think Quinville going there from Chicago, that's a good move for him. It's going to be comfortable. And for Florida, this is huge. This is a team that has a lot of good young talent. It does. They've traded some of it away. They, they've lost some of it in the expansion draft with Mark so and all that. They've gone through a lot. They made the playoffs a couple of years ago, got bounced. But I think Quinville going there can really turn some things around. I really think it can. I think the future of this team is very, very bright. They still have to keep doing what they're doing in, in the sense that they need to keep you know, scouting, getting these top prospect players, maybe picking up a few big free agents here and there. But I think that Quinville can develop this team, which already had a winning record. I, I'm pretty sure they had a, a winning record by a couple games this year. And usually they do. The, the last couple of years they made they didn't make the playoffs. They still had a winning record. Uh so this team, it's it's um, Florida. They're, they're always all right. You know, they're, they're never re- they're never really in the basement of the league. They're kind of just sitting there at you know, kind of an average. You know, obviously we're we're not content with this. We would like to be better. But I think Quinville going there could really, really help that franchise out and really make Florida a dangerous team in the future. Right? I mean, obviously it's not going to happen right away. But you're bringing the second most winningest coach all time. To a franchise that has that doesn't have a Stanley Cup, that kind of struggles in Florida a little bit with attendance issues and all that. But you're bringing that as well. Just think about that. Actually, back up, bringing in that Joel Quinville. That's going to create a lot of buzz down there. That could help their team out financially as well with you know ticket sales, all that. It creates attention. Uh, it creates hope, and it creates a future. No question there. And you know, you you mentioned the attendance thing, and think about when the Blackhawks played down in southern Southern Florida and in. The Florida Panther Stadium, the Blackhawks fan base can fill that stadium. Exactly, and they often yeah. do. And you don't think that all those fans will go root for that head coach? Because I think they will. I believe that this is, if anything, going to just totally skyrocket the fan base. I don't want to put it on the level of a Wayne Gretzky going out to play in California, but I put it. I put it almost to that. Pretty almost close. Like, it, it, pretty close. Kind of is. It kind of, to me, it is because yeah, it is. And you think about the parallels to when he came to coach in 2008 for the Blackhawks. Same GM hires him. And, you know, Talon definitely has a great group of guys there. Yeah. He, Alexander Barkov, Vincent Trotrek, <laughs> Jonathan Huberdor, Huberdo, Aaron Eckblad, some other guys yeah. in the pipeline. Yeah. Quinville said, I was fortunate to be the luckiest guy in the world when I walked in the Chicago situation. Uh, I feel the same thing here now, you know? I'd never really thought of Florida as a team that could win, but with this head coach, I think they have the ingredients yeah. to win it. And I, they have more young guys to come, I think, as well in their system. And um, he's Quinville has an opportunity to do something great with this team. I think he can. And um, I, I, I'm very happy he was hired by Florida. Now I, I could go off on a tangent about how uh, I'm happy he didn't go to you know a team that I hate, like the Blues or you know something like that or the Flyers. But I think he. I think it fits really well that he went there. A team that is an average team. They're never really that bad, but they're just never really that good. But they're, they're just kind of on the cusp, waiting for something to happen. And this could be it. And, I'll, and it's a good comparison, Gretzky to California. You know, obviously, it, 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 really, it might not be exactly that, but it's pretty close because Quinville is one of the best NHL coaches to ever do it. And he, he He's it the, the second most winningest exactly. coach of all time. Exactly. Like, it's not – yeah. So, I mean – 
you're bringing in a guy who is solidified his, his place in the Hall of Fame. And uh, if you're Florida, you're really excited about what he could do. Now, obviously, you know, a coach isn't going to make this team uh, an instant contender. Uh, I mean, not even look at the New York playoffs. Islanders. Yeah, yeah, I will actually, yeah, that's a good point to bring up. So, you know, it, it it's, it's, this is an interesting situation. Um, I'm very happy for the Panthers that they were able to pick up uh, Quinville. And um, you know what? I, I think going forward that things are going to work out well down there for the Panthers. I think things are going to start getting better. And I think uh, you're going to see more attention being focused down there in Southern Florida in the sunrise. I totally agree with you there. And, you know, you just look at the way some of those players responded. Like, I was watching a little bit of the press conference and all this other stuff. The Florida Panthers players, it looked like they were just ready to go play hockey right now. Yeah. You know, they have a long summer ahead of them, but having a coach like that, yeah, it's 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 definitely different from the, you know, like the Jeremy Collinson where he's he's there to kind of develop players, which is why it's going to be great to have him as the head coach over the next couple of years with these young guys. Joel Quinville's ready to teach yeah, to coach I mean, talented players and they have a shot. Yeah, that's a great point to bring up. I, I I love that that you know, these players they see who their coach is. They're licking their chops. They're like, "Oh my, this guy's won three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks, you know, very recently." And they're they're young guys. They were, to, they watched it exactly. You know? Yeah, these players were in the league when that happened, and they're, they're sitting there watching the Blackhawks hoist the Stanley Cup. They're like, "I want to do that someday." And now they they got the guy who brought them there. I mean, wow. I, I would agree. I mean, if I'm a Florida Panthers player who's been playing, you know, uh, last couple of years, you know, being average, you know, kind of on the cusp of something good, having some good young players, but just not enough, and all of a sudden Quinville comes in. I want to go to work tomorrow and. and you know, I want the season to start tomorrow too. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, and that's a great point to bring up. These players, that that, it creates a very good vibe in that locker room because all those players definitely know who Quinville is. Every single one of them knows who that guy is, and they know what he can do, and they're they're excited. And that that just adds on more. That builds chemistry. That's I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers are the next Hurricanes with the chemistry that you know. I think that they they're gonna build some great team chemistry. And it's already looking great, and you know the season ended last weekend for them. I mean, they got a full off season, and and I think they're going to build some solid relationships, uh, which is important. And I think they're going to start to play some solid hockey too. I agree. Um, I definitely think they might need a few more pieces. Uh, you know, their goaltending has some question marks with Roberto Longo. Roberto Longo turning forty, and you know, having not his best season, but things are looking good for. The Panthers, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you just gotta hope, keep go to the draft, and hopefully, you could pick something up. And if not, you can make some moves, uh, maybe in the free agent market. And that's gonna do that's gonna do them some favors in the free agent market too. There are gonna be some players that are like, man, you know what? This Florida team didn't make the playoffs last year, but they have young talent and they have Joel Quinville. And, and you know, want to go play down in a very warm place in the middle of winter. I mean, it's it one player that was hinted. One player that was hinted to go there was Artemi Panarin. Yeah, I think. Well, I hope he could go to the Hawks. I hope something could work out with them. But if not, I could see him going down there as well, and that could really shake things up. That can, that can, uh, that can revolutionize that franchise. I, I mean, a player like him, uh, he'd be the franchise player for them. You know, you bring 
maybe Panarin going to the Hawks. Here's why it's not going to happen. Um, in t- after the 2016-17 season, Panarin signed a, a very cat-friendly deal with the Hawks for two years at $6 million. Do you remember that? Yep. And uh, I read the, one of the reasons he's not going back to Chicago, and he's already basically said that, is he was not very happy when he found out he was traded after signing a team-friendly deal like that. Yeah. And Think about it. Yeah. He hasn't. Yeah, I would. I would. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, you can't. It's it's hockey's a business, and you know you could see that Kane doesn't isn't happy that he's gone. You, the two of them still mess around a lot when they play each other, but um, Panarin is most likely not coming back to Chicago. I heard rumors he might go to New York Rangers. The Rangers are going to have a pretty good team in a couple years with all the rebuilding they're doing. Yeah, I think it's being in his best interest to go to Florida. Um, not that I don't like the Rangers or anything, but I just I think that I think that they could get they, they have the money to pay him too. I I believe and uh, he can really he, that I think his yeah the rebuild in New York's going pretty well, but I think the, the Florida the the Florida situation with Quinville just I think uh, I think something really good is going to come out of it. And I think that they could get some top tier free agents, if not Panarin, uh, someone else. No doubt about it there. You know, Pat, one of the big question marks is Patrick Kane put up 110 points this year. Are we wasting the best years of his career? Yeah. And this is, this is something I've wanted to talk about on a show like this for, for a long time. And I, and you know, you'll look back and you'll see, 2010, Patrick Kane scores the game-winning goal uh, to seal the Blackhawks Stanley Cup drought uh, and start the dynasty off. And in these years, in the years that the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, Kane has been in. I mean, a huge part, a huge part. He played. I mean, he's, he's half the reason why they won that cup. And but those weren't his career best seasons. We were see, the last two seasons. We were seeing career best seasons out of Patrick Kane. And what happens? Hawks don't make the playoffs during these seasons, and he he's on pace. To, I mean, he, when when people say, "All right, okay, he's not going to do it again this year," he does it again next year. When people said, "Oh yeah, he's primes behind him," you know, all those years where they won the Stanley Cups, that was really yeah, he has nothing really to play for now. This team isn't really that competitive. He goes out there and does it again and scores forty goals and, and you know is up there for for the MVP trophy. You know, um, is it being wasted? That's a good point to bring up. This team is is you're using a player like Patrick Kane that is having career best seasons. You're using him to hopefully is the keyword vault you into the playoffs. All of his time and effort was going into maybe making this Blackhawks team a playoff team this year, when really it should be going into making this Blackhawks team a Stanley Cup champion again. And obviously, he didn't have the talent around him to do that. So that's why that's when the question is, is it being wasted? Really? I can't say I don't. I, I can't really make a definitive answer on that quite yet. Um, because we don't know if he's going to keep having seasons like this in the future. Um, I think he can. I think he can still put. I think he's on pace to do this for a couple more years. Um, but the thing is. What's the rest of the team going to do in the next couple of years? That's what we were just talking about. Is this team going to be a playoff team come this time next year? If so, that, that could change my answer. 
If not, that could also change my answer. You know, I look at it and I just say, like, you know, in, in 2015, when they won the Stanley Cup, Kane was 26 years old, and he put up 64 points in the regular season. He only played 61 games because that's, if you remember, that's when he tore his clavicle and he was, or not tore his, yeah, tore his clavicle and he was out for the last 20 games of the year. That year alone, he was on pace for about 100 points. And then the next year, he puts on the 106-point season in 2015-16. And they make the playoffs and they get bounced in the first round. Next year, he puts up 89 points. And they lose in the first round again. Last year, when they missed the playoffs, Kane put up 76 points, which arguably, out of his last five years, was not that productive. Yeah. The worst thing about it was he was a minus 20, 20, minus 20. That's the lowest he's ever been. He's, he's only been minus twice in his career beforehand. And it was negative two and negative five. Plus minus doesn't mean that much, but when you're that far down, I'd say it has to be with some of the players he's playing with. Yeah. That was the first year after, since he lost Panarin, you know? Yeah. Now, this year, he managed to get it back a little bit. He's, he played with Taze, and he put up 110 points again, and he was a he was a plus two. And his ice time, it's going up throughout his career. It's not going down. There's no reason Kane can't keep this pace for another three, maybe four years. Yeah, I agree. But really, it, but okay, that his prime would be right now, then. His prime would be pretty much... It's that we're still in it then, if, they, if that's what we're saying. If you're saying three to four more years, if he's on I'm looking at it. Then yeah, his prime. We're, we're in the midst of his prime. I'm looking he's at it and say, Bucks. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, he won three Stanley Cups. He won his first Stanley Cup when he was 20 years old. That's still just getting into the league, you know. Like that's not really. You can't even have a beer yet. I mean. Yeah. No. He. He, he had a few beers, might I add, but he that's still just trying to figure it out. Kane, I don't think you can look at it and say Kane's prime anywhere in his career. His his career has been a Hall of Fame year's career since he turned 21. Yeah, that's what I was just about to think about. I mean, there really is no cliff that he jumped off of or, you know, there really is no, like, sharp decline. It's all been kind of very strong the whole way through. And I've read, I've read people say, oh, the Blackhawks are wasting Kane's career. Wasting Kane's career? He's won three Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe Trophy, the Hart Trophy, the, the Art Ross. Like, what else do you want from him? People obviously, obviously, we want to see him win more Stanley Cups. And the way it's looking, I still think the Blackhawks can win another Stanley Cup with Kane and Taze. It, I mean, obviously... They're on the clock then for that because obviously time's not on their side with those two players as they're going to uh, head towards the autumn years of their career pretty soon. Uh, but I think um, I think that's plausible. I think that they could definitely win one more Stanley Cup with this group. Um, but really it all depends on who the Hawks bring in and, and, and that all starts with, you know, this, this pick that we they opened up the show about, you know. Uh, they have to start making moves that will make this team competitive because you want to win this cup while Kane and Taze are still producing numbers like this. I'm, 
you know, I'm looking at some of the other stats on his career, like the time of ice, time on ice at even strength when he has the puck. It was the highest of his career this year. Kane, Kane's an odd guy. I've, I've read some things on Kane about how he's different about from any other player in the league. He's, he's become like a health freak about what he eats and what he drinks so that he can continue to play at a high level of play. And not just that, his hockey IQ is through the roof. It's it's different than any other play, player in the NHL. Sidney Crosby, I'd say he's more skilled than anyone else in the league. But I wouldn't say he's the smartest guy in the game. I'd say it'd be Patrick Kane. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so, too. I think Kane, his skill is unbelievable. I mean, you see his hands night in and night out, though, what he can do and how fast he can move that fucking stick handle. But he, he knows where he's got to be. And if you've seen some... A lot of most of his points are assists, right? He is mm-hmm. one of the in the game, if not the best. He is well, the way when he, he knows exactly when to pass the puck, where to pass the puck, who to pass the puck to. I mean, just talk about IQ, like you're saying. I mean, he, he has the best. You talk about the assists he's made in the all star game, he was playing on a line with like Tyra Sagan and um. I can't think of who else. Jamie Benn. And he made a pass to Sagan. And afterwards, they were sitting on the bench. And Sagan goes, like, how did you know to, like, pa- pass that puck there? And Kane goes, oh, you know, Drew Doughty's a righty. And I figured that if I put it on the other side, he wouldn't get to it. And Sagan thought about it. And he's like, no one else in this league is sitting here thinking, what side is this defenseman? Like, is he a righty or a lefty? What's his, like, strong side? What is he going to do here? Kane is three or four steps ahead, and it helps yeah. when, if you ask Kane a question about any other team in the any other player in the league, he knows about him. He he's a, a lot of the players like they go home from the game, they spend time with their families, they try and get away from it. Kane is eating up hockey at all times. Yeah, that's that's he he's he's doing his homework. Yeah, I mean, he is. It, it, it's paying off. It, it's paying off, and he's going to keep doing that because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, if he if he continues to do all this stuff like you're saying, this this health you know the, this health freak stuff that he's doing, and and um, uh, you know the, studying other teams like he's do, you know like just kind of keeping up with the game and, and just staying in shape, and I, you know there there is no reason why he can't keep being the best player in the game for the next three to four years. So if you. You look at the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Do you give the Stanley Cup to the Tampa Bay Lightning? Do you think they win it? Uh, I think we talked about this in the last show, but yeah, I do. I still believe that. There's a great photo. I'm, it will probably be up on the UTL on Instagram or Twitter later on today. It's Nikita Kucherov looking at the Blackhawks celebrate after they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. It's always hard for me to remember that. Those guys, the great Tampa Bay Lightning, a lot of those players were there in 2015 when they lost in the Stanley Cup final to the Chicago Blackhawks. Yep. Which brings me to my next question for you. I'd have to say arguably the best Blackhawks team out of the three that won the Stanley Cup were the 2013 Blackhawks. They won the President's Trophy and, you know. Oh, wait, I thought the President's Trophy team uh, never wins it. 
they're the last team to win it with the President's Trophy. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, you're just trying to be a jerk to me. You you're being a jerk to me. Now, just listen. Just stop talking and listen. If you had to pick between the 2013 Chicago Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning team this year, who would you pick to win? It's a good question. I think I would go Tampa Bay. You'd go Tampa Bay? Because I, I also don't think the 2013 Chicago Blackhawks were the best team. I think the 2015 Chicago Blackhawks were the best team. Pat. Because, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I'm also kind of eat what I said yesterday. I mean, they didn't win the President's Trophy in 2015. But the rentals they had, I mean, Brad Richards that year, uh, Antoine Vermette, who made a huge difference in the playoffs. The team went 36-7-5 in the regular season. In a lockout year. Yeah, and they were on pace to break the 62 wins that Tampa Bay got this say year. That, but you, you could say on pace or whatever, but it was a lockout year. All yeah, right. You, you take advantage of that, and you, you okay? We only have forty-two games. We're gonna we're gonna go out there, and we're gonna do the best that we can in a lockout season. I remember at the beginning of the season, I was like, "All right, it's a lockout year. Who gives, a, you know, a, a damn who wins the Stanley Cup?" But I really, you you can't compare records. You can't do that because yeah, okay, this team was on pace. They only really played half of the season, and you know. Like it or not, that's what happened. Maybe if the lockout doesn't happen, the Hawks don't win the Stanley Cup. You never know. But it was a lockout year. Um, sure, the numbers were great. This That team was dominant. Uh, but I still think the 2015 team was a little bit better. But for 2013-2015, I still think this Tampa Bay team would be either uh, either of those two teams. Because I mean, you, you could, okay, our, okay, at 2015, they did play Tampa Bay. But this Tampa Bay team's gotten a lot better since then. A lot better. Uh, we're not going to agree on anything on that topic. Uh, but, 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 so, you also have, but, you, but we're both Hawks fans. Right. You, you, you got to lose the bias here. You I am losing lose the bias. bias. I'm looking at... I don't think you are. I really am, though. I'm not going to say it's not going to be a great series, but I'd have to say... I don't know. I just think it was just a fun question. We could do this all we want, you know. What if this? What if that? You know, it'd be great if uh, EA Sports could put in like an NBA, how they have like those past teams. It'd be great if they could put teams like that in, and we could simulate and see what would happen. But I mean, it'd be obviously really fun to watch a series like that and see who would win. But obviously, it's all ifs, you know. It's never gonna happen. But you know what? You can compare numbers. You can, you know. But everything. That's the thing, though. You know, numbers are just figures on a sheet of paper. You know, they don't mean anything. We've seen that in the playoffs countless times. And that's why I think the 2015 team is better than the 2013 team. So, you know, just a fun question with a fun answer. You know, it's just all opinion-based, and that's my opinion. You're right. And one other thing I have to say, uh, Stan Bowman came out and said, I'm just very excited for the entire organization and the city to know we're going to have a top player coming to town. Um, if any guy in the world... Stan Bowman should go buy a lottery ticket right now because his job has just been saved by this draft pick. If if the Blackhawks were not going to make the playoffs next year, Stan Bowman was going to be fired. There's no doubt yeah. about it in my mind. And this, yeah. this draft lottery saves him so much. 
Uh, I don't know if it saves him yet. I don't know. I think it gives him a tremendous opportunity because knowing Stan Bowman, he could screw this up with this third draft pick. He could. He very, very possibly could mess a lot of things up by doing stupid things with this third draft pick. By picking the wrong player, which is not really what I'm trying to get at, but by maybe getting rid of it for somebody else. I think this, I was going to say this at the beginning. I don't think I did, but this, this draft pick could really, from, in my opinion, for me, in my opinion of Sam Bowen is going to make it or break it. If he, if he really, you know, gets his hands on the reins and and does something good with this pick and whatever ends up happening with, uh, uh, of this pick is, is good. Okay. Yeah. He did the right thing. He did his job. He deserves to stay. He's, He's got the, he's got the brains, but if he messes it up, like he has with some other situations, like bringing back players, um, I think he can still get fired. I don't think this pick necessarily. I, I think this pick uh, is the make it or break it. Well, Pat, we have a long off season, and you know, a lot of time to talk about the Blackhawks. And as a Blackhawks fan, who do you more not want to see the Stanley Cup? The St. Louis Blues or the Nashville Predators? That's a, that is a really hard question. <laughs> that is a really, really tough question. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't stand both of those two teams. Um, but I have to pick one. Nashville is annoying as all hell. But I just can't stand St. Louis. I think I'd rather see Nashville. But man, that is a lesser of two evils right there. It really is. I Oh, I almost <laughs> throw up thinking about it. I have to do the other route. I'd have to go. I'd rather see St. Louis win over Nashville. It's There's it is picking up. Yeah, just if if cuz that is a potential second round matchup. Winnipeg Jets are another problem. I'm not that big of a fan as a Blackhawks fan. I don't really like Winnipeg either, but I mean, out of those three teams, it'd be Winnipeg for me. I'd pick Winnipeg over Nashville and St. Louis to win. I'd be happy for them. But I can't be – I would not be happy for Nashville or St. Louis. I can't say for those two teams. Well, maybe once they're – if they win it, maybe they can just, you know, fold the team and move someplace else. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Tennessee's no place for a hockey team. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pat, thank you for joining us. It's been a fun episode of Under the Mic. You know, we got a lot more coming uh, with the playoffs around the corner and the NHL draft now, a date to set the calendar for. Thanks for joining.